Welcome to another episode of Flipping Bats and Winning Games, a baseball podcast hosted by me, Mitch, and my friend, Ursula. And uh, we have been uh, hand-gifted, right before we started recording today, a brand new Mets controversy to talk about. Oh my god, yes. Yes, indeed. So were you watching the uh, were you watching the game when it happened? Because I wasn't. Uh, yes, I was. And the uh, thing about it, so I mean, obviously it's a controversy. The thing about it, though, is that Jeff McNeil had his first hit of the season like right before, <laughs> and it was a home run, and it was on his birthday. Yeah. So if, if there's a. Uh... Bit a bit of spotlight stealing uh, unintentionally going on there. Yes. So, have you seen the replays? I have. Um, it almost well. Let's so just for anybody who doesn't immediately know what we're talking about. Um, today on Thursday, April eighth, uh, the Mets were playing the Marlins, and the game ended in a controversial fashion because Michael Conforto um, ostensibly got hit by a pitch um, mm-hmm. and like I, I was the first thing that surprised me was when I watched the replay like I did not see that pitch change direction at all so I was like wait did it even hit him but then there's this whole controversy that like um, his elbow was like in the strike zone and he didn't really try and get away from it and basically everybody's just losing their goddamn shit yeah so that sums it up pretty well um when i saw it i didn't realize he'd been hit either and i like i heard everybody kind of celebrating and i was just like okay like are we gonna (laughs) review that because It definitely seemed not conclusive. And then, watching the replays... So, okay. I'm okay with the Mets losing. Being a Mets fan is about the Mets losing and dealing with it. (laughs) So, basically, I, I was ready for this game to be lost. And then this happened, and I was just like, yay, you know? Hit by pitch for a win? That's unusual, but that's exciting. And then I watched the replays, and then I heard Gary, Keith, and Ron talking about it, and just, I mean, they were so pissed. Yeah. And it really says something when your own home booth is like, fuck this team. Yeah. This was a a cheat. And... I, I can't deny that it looked like a cheat. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I yeah, the video on that was uh, pretty incredible. Like, Ron Darling was calling bullshit on that the second it happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they just, they didn't stop. They were, they were adamant. Like, especially yeah. Gary and Ron. Like, they were just like, no, we know what happened. And a hit by pitch, a legitimate hit by pitch, did not happen. 
Yeah, and um, you know, they there have been uh, people on Twitter have been posting uh, screen caps from the MLB rulebook, which is when you know that's when you know something really good happened. <laughs> um, oh man! And I was actually surprised to see that there is an official provision in the rules that says. Um, if the ball is in the strike zone and a guy gets hit by it, it's a strike. And that do- it doesn't matter that he got hit. Um, that is interesting. Yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah, and there is also the, um, the one that is more well-known, which is it isn't a hit-by-pitch if you don't try and get out of the way of it. See, that seems a little more vague to me. You yeah, know? that one is kind like, of a judgment seen... call. Right, and I've seen batters just stay exactly where they are and turn their upper bodies, like, so they don't get hit in the arm or something like that. And I wonder how that doesn't count, you know? Yeah. Because it's like they're clearly only trying to prevent themselves from getting injured. They're not just, like, backing all the way out of the, you know, batter's box. So, I don't know. Like, this... This particular event has raised a bunch of questions that I didn't think I was ever really going to have to think about, <laughs> which is weird, because this season is very, very young, especially for the Mets. Yeah, yeah. Which is its own other thing that I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah, I mean... That would actually be an interesting segue. Like, by the way, the Nats tried to poison us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh god, this season. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was a hell of a way to start the Mets, uh, or not start the Mets season, as it were. Um, <laughs> oh man! And yeah, yeah. So the Nats had what was it? I think three players ultimately tested positive for COVID. I know there were more, but I don't know how many more, and I don't know if that was, like, an initial finding. Like, I know that there was additional testing, but I don't remember exactly how that went, and I don't remember who was exposed. Yeah, I actually don't know if if they have announced um, who got... uh... Who tested positive? I think that has been uh, mostly kept private, which is uh, kind of a pleasant surprise, really. Yeah, for um, sure. But let us see here. I am just going to uh, pull this up and pull up the athletic and see if I can find a news story that runs it down. So. <laughs> While you're looking, I just want to say the Mets have had a horrible season so far, and I know that some people are talking about the possibility of just plain old rust. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much I believe that, uh, especially since the games are going exactly how I expect them to. <laughs> so... I mean, again, like I don't know how much Mets baseball you've seen, but Jacob deGrom had a brilliant performance. Uh, yeah. I mean, just stellar. I, I think he was... I think he had 77 pitches through six. 
something like that. And that was, I uh, I was not watching that game uh, on TV, but I was watching it on the uh, MLB Statcast feed because mm-hmm. I wanted to see how lopsided a ratio <laughs> of fastballs to sliders DeGrom could throw. Right. And, like, that was just, like, that 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 seemed like a pure hatred-fueled domination <laughs> by DeGrom. Because it was, like, really, he ended up, I think, like, something like 20 to 1 on fastballs to other pitches. And he was just burning them in there at, like, 99, 100, 101, 102. And yeah. they were just, the, uh, the other team was just like, um, or, uh, what do we do with these? Pretty much. And I, believe me, it was great to actually watch, you know? <laughs> like, I mean, DeGrom is always a delight to watch, but just watching him just throw right past the batters was just so satisfying. Yeah, like that was some real, here it is, hit it if you can stuff. Right. Right. Like, I dare you to hit this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, DeGrom. When are we going to get it together for you? <laughs> I was, I was going to say. And then uh, the Mets went and lost the game. Yep. As and, expected. Yeah. Uh, Luis Rojas has uh, not been impressing thus far. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's an understatement. That sounds like something Luis Rojas would say. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you know, um, you know, we've just been, like, kind of, you know, not on top of our game lately. God, I fucking hate him. But, like, the thing about it is that, like, I feel like with Mickey Calloway and with Luis Rojas, like, they've sort of taught me how to criticize management. Yeah. Like, I I just... I never really was the kind of fan that thought hard about that kind of thing. And then, as I see him just bungle every opportunity to make the right choice, I'm just like, wow, this is... this is bad management. This is what it looks like. And I have the right to be angry about this. So, yeah. so yay for that, I guess. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a hell of a thing. Um, seeing the, you know, like, I have, I have generally, um, from, you know, being more statistically inclined and, uh, keeping an eye on what everybody is saying on that front. Um, I know that lineup construction um, in the long term of a team season really does not matter all that much. Um, but it kind of seems like Luis Rojas is trying to make it matter and make it matter badly. Because I, I, I do not uh, understand where the even potential logic is 
in, for instance, batting Jeff O'Neill seventh. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, and I nine times out of ten, if somebody like. I've seen plenty of Yankees fans freaking out about the way that Aaron Boone has been putting together the Yankees lineups, and I think that a lot of those complaints are very stupid, and I think that it's, you know, very silly to, you know, care about, um, you know, uh, Judge and Stanton not hitting back-to-back and Mm. stuff like that, but he's not batting Judge 7th. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's it's just it's frustrating. It's frustrating watching bad things happen that don't have to happen, basically. And that's basically the the summary of being a Mets fan, right there. Pretty much, pretty much, <laughs> just watching bad things happen that don't have to happen. Yeah, consistently. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's like. I, I don't know if it's, like, more disheartening than it was before because they're supposed to be better now that the Wilpons are gone. Um, but well, it, it does feel kind of different. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I mean, do I want to go there? I can't not go there. Yeah. It is it gives me a Biden versus Trump kind of vibe. <laughs> like yes, things were absolutely terrible under Trump. And now they're just terrible in a different way. <laughs> so I am fully aware that baseball is not on this level and it is you know not that serious ultimately. But I really do feel like we're in like a out of the frying pan and into the fire kind of situation. (laughs) So. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, like the, it, it, it really is starting to like, I was pretty sure for a while that the, the, the dysfunction in flushing was a matter of, the Wilpons just being bad at every aspect of owning a team. Mm, yes. But now I'm starting to think that they may have built City Field on some kind of like ancient cursed baseball burial yard or something. <laughs> I'd believe it. <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe that's where they sent all the baseball Giancarlo Stanton murdered. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, goodness. Speaking of which, I heard that he had a really amazing game, like, the other day or yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, what happened is that the Yankees waited until the Mets season started to be awesome. <laughs> so, like, I've been watching the Yankees... Like, using the Mets' off-season extra week to watch the Yankees and to sort of bond with the Yankees. Because, I mean, the Yankees are my second team. The Mets always come first. So it's like, you know, my my attention is kind of split, but it's mostly split in the Mets' direction. Yeah. 
So I'm just like, yeah, I can focus on the Yankees now. I can get a feel for the team. And lo and behold, they disappointed me mostly in the same way that the Mets did (laughs) or that the Mets would have. And then, like, the next day, Judge and Stanton both hit homers, I believe, in the same game, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and Stanton hit a grand slam, if I recall correctly. Yeah, and and Stanton, it was one of those where... um, And this really is, like, just a Giancarlo Stanton thing. Like, there are home runs that that guy hits where I just start giggling when he hits them. Mm-hmm. Like... Because you know. Yeah. And and, <laughs> and, know. and just the... the Like... The brutality of it in terms of... Like... It doesn't look like he's trying that hard. Like, obviously he's trying. He's putting his all into it. But it really just sometimes feels like he flicks his wrists and the ball goes 500 feet. And not only does the ball go 500 feet, it also, like, explodes off yeah. of that. Yeah. Like, and honestly, every time Giancarlo Stanton makes contact, it sounds like the ball is exploding. A little bit, but yeah. when a homer is hit by Stanton, like, it's like an atom bomb goes off, basically. Pretty much, yeah. So, and of course I missed that, so... <laughs> So la di da. But yeah, and yeah, the Yankees. Uh, the first few games were uh, a bit of a disappointment overall. But I have been uh, very pleasantly surprised by how uh, good the Yankees pitching has been thus far mm. this season. Yes, um, because the pitching was the thing that I was most worried about in terms of the Yankees uh, putting together a really strong team for this year. Um, And, like, I'm not worried about the Yankees' bats. Like, if this team's going to do anything, they're going to hit. And it's just really uh, been... It was especially nice uh, seeing Jamison Tyone uh, really... Um, like, you know, come back after a couple of Tommy Johns, uh, battle with cancer, and coming back from all of that, and pitching, you know, I mean, granted it was against the Orioles, but like, he went out there and he looked good. Like, he pitched seven innings of legitimately really goddamn good baseball, and it was really, uh, really heartening to see. Um, you know, given his history, and I'm really, uh, um, I'm really rooting for the guy, even beyond uh, just you know, rooting for him as a Yankee in general. Right, and we have the same thing going on with Matt Harvey, who is an Oriole now. Yeah, and I mean, I don't really remember how well Matt Harvey was received, like, during his stint as the Dark Knight. Like, I know that some people really disliked him for being arrogant and, you know, being kind of a a socialite, like, man-about-town kind of guy. Yeah. And I think that view has 
ultimately softened among almost everybody. And frankly, I loved him the whole time. I thought he was great. Mm-hmm. I thought he was fun. Um, I don't know if I've said it on this podcast, but Matt Harvey as the Dark Knight is basically the exact kind of athlete that I would be if I were an athlete. <laughs> like, you know, traipsing around town, spending my millions on, you know, Cristal and, you know, wooing all kinds of men. Like, that is what I would do. That's exactly what I would do. Yeah. So I, I really identified with him in that way, and I really liked him. And so now, I mean, there's no two ways about it. He's pretty much a shadow of his former self. Yeah. And now he's on the Orioles, and he's been doing okay. And Mets fans in general are really happy to see it. And so am I, of course. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, it's one of those situations where um, watching a guy struggle um, like Harvey did for quite a while there and watching him, you know, like have these kinds of setbacks and challenges and still work through them, I -hmm. think will really... um, endear a guy to baseball fans in general um so i think that that went a long way in uh in 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 rebuilding that goodwill and it has been very nice to see that 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 goodwill uh really is there and is strong definitely and i mean he's not great but he's serviceable he's not awkward to watch you know yep so um so yeah that has definitely been a highlight of this week and a half long season (laughs) and the weird thing is that i mean the week is almost over and it feels like baseball like just started and i know Mm -hmm. that you know i'm a mets fan so it really has just started but like (laughs) i've been watching baseball for this whole time you know and I feel like, and again, this is COVID time, so time means nothing. Yeah. And so it's like that is a factor, but then also like having baseball in our lives is a factor. Mm-hmm. And it just makes everything better, even when it makes things worse. It really does. It really does. You know, like there's, there's just this, um, this reliability to baseball. Yes. That is, I think, one of the the most important, low-key kind of things about it. Yes. Um, that, you know, there is, like, this six-month period where almost every day, you know, given a couple of off days and everything, there will be baseball on, and you will be able to watch it. Right. And it's like, even if you're watching a team that you don't necessarily care about, yeah, like, it's still sort of in the background, <laughs> you know? Like, uh-huh. you, you can choose to care a little every once in a while. Yeah. Like, um, were the Orioles against the Red Sox? I can't even, this is so fucked. I can't remember what happened, like, three days ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it was the, the Orioles, uh... Uh, swept the Red Sox and then the Red Sox swept the Rays because okay, yes. nothing makes any sense anymore. Yes. 
Yeah, I I just don't know what to think about the AL East in general. <laughs> and so, I mean, there were some performances that I, I expected to be good, but not as good as they were. Like Nathan Ivaldi, yep. for example. I know he's a good pitcher, but like, that good? Like, seven innings good? <laughs> that I wasn't expecting at all. And then the curveball that came out of fucking nowhere... And I was telling you about it. I was like, "Where? Like, what is this? Like a yeah. seventy-eight mile per hour per hour curveball from Nathan Avaldi <laughs> in fucking twenty twenty-one? Yeah. Like, okay, I I guess. <laughs> but but then there's also Stephen Matz on the Jays. Yeah. Where he has been flourishing, and as a Mets fan, again, like we we always like to see our our ex Mets doing well, but at the same time, it's just like, damn it, <laughs> like, yeah, I couldn't even have been that Stephen Matz in twenty twenty. But yeah, definitely, definitely exciting. Yeah, hearing hearing good things about Stephen Matz, even if it bums me out a lot. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, the the AL East has been. Uh, I mean, it's you know the 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 glories of a small sample size will, mm. uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's a hell of a thing to watch. Um, but you know, I do think. Well, I, I also I think that part of it is um, the the way that the last couple of off seasons have gone. Um, with the AL East is like the Jays are clearly starting to go for it and they are actively trying to be really good um, but well, I don't think they were ever not trying to be really good in all fairness yeah uh, but the Red Sox I know what you are mean, <laughs> yeah the Red Sox are kind of just floating in this kind of limbo of being the Red Sox, but also uh, caring about payrolls for some reason when they don't have to. Um, and then the the Rays uh, are, like, uh, the Rays could be a 90-win team this year or a 90-loss team this year, and I don't think I'd be surprised either way. Um... Yeah. Because, yeah. Okay. It, like, it's, it, like, the Rays' whole thing is no matter what, they find a way to be good. But, you know, they traded away Blake Snell. The, you know, they... they and Charlie Morton. Yeah. They, they let a couple of guys walk, and they don't seem like the same team that they were. But there's just something that they always manage to figure out, so who the fuck knows? Pretty much. And it's like, I don't even know... I I don't know what to do because I really got attached to the Rays in a weird way. Yeah. And now I'm just like, do I care? <laughs> do I actually care? Like, and again, I keep, I keep coming back to this where it's like ex-Mets get extra goodwill. And obviously I'm never going to root for the Phillies. But... Yeah. Zach Wheeler is just so fantastic. Yeah, he's really been, uh, yeah. So it's like one of those things where 
there's like in the two divisions that I'm into, there's like at least one person on one team that I shouldn't be soft towards. <laughs> and yet it still happens. Like for example, the Jays with Steven Matz when yeah. I'm supposed to be rooting for the Yankees. So it's just the season is new and I will figure out who to like and when eventually. <laughs> but, but it's a little rocky for now. Yes. And uh, speaking of Rockies, uh, oh, oh, goodness. I, <laughs> I would apologize for that, but I'm not actually sorry. Um, I understand. <laughs> as soon as the word Rocky came out of my mouth, I was like, shit, I set Mitch up. <laughs> like, I immediately was like, damn it. I could have said any other thing. <sighs> so anyway, uh, I figured we could, we could use this uh, terrible segue to talk about um, MLB pulling the All-Star game from Georgia. And, uh, Ooh, yes. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised that they took that kind of stand. I, I was not uh, expecting uh, Rob Manfred to do that. Um, um, hasn't he done enough? <laughs> like, he, he, he's, he has to earn some goodwill. So True. I guess this was... Like, I hate to be all cynical about this, but, like, I wonder how much of it was just pandering. Like, did he really care? I think that I I do actually think that he might have um, because there have been some stories about him uh, talking to a lot of uh, black uh, current and former players, mm. and um, you know it, it it does seem like there was a real kind of like. Um, it does seem like a real impact was made uh, just opening his eyes to some of the concerns. Um, That's fair. And then I also, I will, have to, I do have to say, I'm really glad that it was specifically moved uh, to Coors Field because now we get a Coors Field home run derby. Yeah. And... Yeah. There is a lot that I would have given up to get that. Yeah, I... I mean, there's going to be, like, 70 home runs each round, and yeah. it's going to be awesome. Yeah, like, honestly, um, I'm, I'm, I'm half expecting somebody to hit a ball, like, 700 feet at some point. Yeah. I, I cannot wait. It's going to be so awesome. And... I mean, the Home Run Derby is always awesome, but, like, just, I, I honestly, like, the, the amount of home runs is going to be limited by how quickly these people can swing their bats. Yeah. Like, that's going to be the only limit. <laughs> so. Basically, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, yeah, I, we get, like, an actual tangible, uh, like, upgrade in my opinion, in terms of location, because also Coors is just a beautiful goddamn baseball field. I don't know if I've seen enough Rockies games to have an opinion. It's it is it is up there with like uh, PNC and a couple of other uh, 
really like quality just in terms of like you know uh it, at least for me like i look at cores and i'm like yeah that's what a baseball field is supposed to look like nice um yeah pnc is wonderful yeah I mean, the fact that I went there one time in 2003 and I remember <laughs> it fondly is something. Like, yeah, I barely that... remember that whole year, but I remember <laughs> going to PNC Park. Yeah, that says a lot right there. Um, so, yeah, it, uh, you know, um, it's, it's nice to have MLB do the right thing uh, For once. on an important issue. Um and I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, this is a good uh, omen for the future of the league, you know, being less shitty about a lot of things. <laughs> well, I mean, the run on second rule oh, is, fucking hell. like, the worst. Yeah. And it's like every every other good thing that they do is just like overshadowed by how terrible the runner on second rule is it really is like i would honestly if if somebody like you know if uh you know a genie came out of a lamp and said to me that i could get rid of the runner on second rule but the al doesn't get the dh anymore i would take that deal I would actually take that deal. Oh, That's man. how much I hate the runner on second rule. I mean, it's it's terrible. And the worst part about it is that I know it's going to decide a bunch of really important games. Because, like, once you get into, like, playoff time, the uh-huh. the quality of the teams is, like, starting to even out. So, it, like, you'll see, like, multiple playoff games decided by this. And probably at least one World Series game. Yeah. And it's just going to be just such a pain in the ass. And it it already is. Mm -hmm. Like, and until yesterday, I never saw a single positive review of this rule. Like, every time I ever talked to anybody about it, it was to talk negatively about it. Yeah. I never encountered anybody who was neutral towards it. <laughs> Everyone just hated it. And the thing that really really kills me is that the Yankees subreddit and mind you, this is Reddit we're talking about. <laughs> Reddit. Every single commenter on the Yankees subreddit was upset by the runner on second roll. Yeah. When Gio Urshela fucking face planted into a loss basically yeah pretty much um yeah there were a couple of messy things about that but like yeah no the runner on second rule is just it's not good no one likes it no like not only does no one like it it also doesn't really do anything like how do i explain this basically I'm not 100% sure what it's meant to achieve, but at the same time, it's not achieving anything. Yeah, I mean, the the Yankees and the Orioles went to the 11th inning um, last night, and 
you know, the, the, the ostensible purpose is to uh, shorten uh, extra innings by making it easier uh, to score a run. But it's, you know, the, the, the way that it is implemented does not uh, really like make that a reliable thing because like the just putting a runner on second basically all you're doing is making it a lot more likely to score a run but mm-hmm. you're not changing the likelihood of scoring multiple runs um, you're not changing that much I think really um, about what the game is likely to become because, you know, it just, like, feels like we're going to get, uh, at some point this season, we're going to get a game where it goes to extra innings and these teams are just trading single runs back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Mm-hmm. And we're going to end up with a game that ends up like a 15 to 16 win for one team when a team finally doesn't score a run and it's, you know, the 14th inning and there's been one run for both teams every extra inning. And, like, they're going to... MLB is, I think, going to discover that this rule is not going to do what they want it to do. Pretty much. And it's... The thing about it is that they're probably just not going to care. Like, this is just going to be their thing, and they're just going to leave it at that. Yeah. Honestly, I think that that's what happened with the intentional walk rule. Like, I don't see why it exists yeah it just kind of like stuck around and I think unfortunately that the runner on second uh, rule is just gonna stick around because Uh, I hate that you're probably right I I mean unless fans like straight up burn stadiums down (laughs) in protest (laughs) like I don't I just don't see them changing it and yeah. I, like just such overwhelming dislike for this rule mm-hmm. from everywhere. Like, I mean, okay, so like I said, this week without Mets baseball has given me time to sort of like screw around in other fandoms, basically. Yeah. Fan bases, rather. I'm trying not to be too nerdy here. <laughs> um so so yeah, I mean I've looked at you know, Red Sox games, Red Sox, Orioles, uh, Jays, just like, you know, poking around different subreddits, fan bases and whatnot. And nobody from any corner of the United States <laughs> seems to like this rule or seems to be neutral toward it. It's really, it's fascinating how poorly this is going. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I I am sure that there is at least a significant uh, amount of Baltimore Orioles fans out there who are looking at 
last night's game and being like, well, I'm glad we won, but did we have to win like that? Mm. Yes. <sighs> yes. It, it's just, it makes every win, like, extra stupid. Yeah, pretty and, much. Like, it, it just, it makes everybody bitter about it because it's so likely to come down to the one runner on the base, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, nobody's gonna, well, that's not true. But it's it's significantly less likely that, like, it's going to be an extra inning and somebody's going to hit a home run and that's going to be the winner. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's much more likely for the runner on second to just score, for there to be an RBI. Mm-hmm. Which just embitters everyone. Yeah. Because the, the win... I mean, obviously, fans of the winning team are going to be happier, but it's not going to feel as earned. And fans of the losing team are going to be like, well, we didn't even get a chance because of this stupid rule, basically. Like, this rule screwed us. Yeah, and it it also, one thing that I really don't like about it is the way that it structures what teams are trying to do in extra innings. Mm. Like, it it kind of forces an artificial attitude for at least the first couple of batters Mm -hmm. when you're coming up with a guy on second. Um, You know, the the priority is obviously going to be Uh, to move him over and get him in, and you were playing for that run. Mm -hmm. And it just, like... It it feels like they are leaning on the scales of trying to make baseball play differently. And it just feels so blatant and artificial and just kind of gross, you know? Yeah, artificial, I think, is a really good word to describe it. Like, it's it's very artificial. And one thing I noticed as I saw more uh, extra inning games was basically if you have a runner on second, there's no real reason for the leadoff hitter to not bunt ever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, it's literally just like a free base uh, well two free bases really mm-hmm. and so it's like it, it, you're basically just it, it's just ugh. I, I'm so angry I'm like tongue tied about this <laughs> it's just so ridiculous and yeah forced and artificial is exactly what it is yeah and it just it, it, is, it is just you know I can on a theoretical level, get on board with the idea that people are somewhat turned off by the kind of three true outcomes, uh, walk, strikeout, home run style of baseball. And I can get on board with wanting to do things that could bring, you know, more emphasis back on, you know, um, like hitting singles, stealing bases, 
that kind of stuff because that stuff is genuinely exciting. Um, But this ain't it. This is just not it. This is not the way to do that. And, like, there are things like, um, you know, there have been uh, options proposed like moving the mound back or lowering the height of the mound and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm... Like, those are... Those are clearly still artificial, mm-hmm. but they're things that have changed before. Like, there have been times where the mound has been raised or lowered or moved forward or moved back to... Like, there, there is a, a, a documented history in baseball of using that as kind of like a pressure valve when Mm. hitting or pitching gets too dominant. Uh, But you know what it doesn't do? It doesn't uh, add a second higher mound that you can choose to pitch from during extra innings. (laughs) That would be kind of awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. But, like, it, 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 it just is... There is something fundamentally wrong with adding a runner out of nowhere um well and the thing about it is that you know changing the mound height or whatever else doesn't affect the structure of the game like do whatever you want to the stadium do whatever you want to uh, the mounds whatever to the batter's box i i don't know but if you're changing the stadium if you're changing the dimensions you're not fucking with the game you know yeah exactly exactly and they're they're just i i think that this was a miss and i think that they're gonna stand by it but i think this was a miss and i think everybody's gonna think it's a miss forever mm-hmm. yeah And I don't know if baseball is necessarily going to lose fans over it, but they're certainly not going to gain any. And I'm pretty sure that that was part of why this change was enacted, if I recall correctly anyway. Yeah, it's it's because there is this uh, accepted belief that longer games scare off new fans. Right. And I just, I I would love to meet somebody who thought that the games were too long and thought that the second, or the runner on second rule was good enough that they started watching again. Like, that's the kind of person that I want to see. Yeah. um, I think I have bad news for you about the existence of that kind of person. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I don't think that person exists. Oh, well, look at that. <laughs> I am just so shocked. Um, but, you know, it, it's even, like, some stuff, like um, playing seven-inning games during doubleheaders, honestly, that doesn't piss me off that much. Like, that is something that I can live with in terms of, you know, if you're packing more baseball into a day... I can see 
the appeal of having the games be a little bit shorter and Mm -hmm. you know it's still an odd number it's not like they made it like a eight inning games or six inning games right you know there it's it's odd but it isn't changing the fundamental structure of the game it's just changing how long you're playing it right it's not like disruptively weird basically yeah it's i mean also i i mean as much as i hate to admit it watching two nine inning games in a row has the potential to be like day ruining yeah (laughs) you know like watching baseball that's another thing that i learned during this uh, week without Mets baseball. <laughs> Watching baseball from 1 p.m. to 10 p.m. is not something that human beings should do. <laughs> it is very tiresome, and as much as I enjoyed it, I know that it exhausted me. And I know that nine inning games, two nine inning games in a row, is not going to be, you know, nine hours. But not only does it have the potential to be nine hours, it also could be, like, around seven hours. Yeah. Which is also, I mean, that's, like, most of a day's work. So, I understand seven innings for doubleheaders. Like, I'll give them that. Yeah. Yeah, but the... the It, it just is the... The runner on second is, and I, I mean, I know we're going over this a lot, but it is just, like, you, you just, it's, like, uh, <laughs> but it's like a giant hand reaching down in the middle of the game to change things. Like, it's just the, the, the blatant manufactured nature of it is just unbearable. Yeah. And it it comes across as like it comes across as like Manfred just doing it to do it. Yeah. You know, like just to exercise some little bit of power. And I don't think he's necessarily that kind of guy like I don't know if he's like strictly power hungry in that kind of way but it definitely comes across as like hmm I'm the ruler of baseball let me just (laughs) do this thing you know so whatever we hate it yeah we all know it everybody hates it so yeah if you don't hate it feel free to email us absolutely podcast at gmail yeah I would actually love to hear from people who don't hate this because I would I would genuinely like to hear that that perspective because maybe there's something about it that we haven't thought of or that we haven't noticed. You know, we're not omniscient. We're not the you know smartest people in the world. Uh, well, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. If there, if there are people out there who like this. Please feel free to reach out. Um, yeah, I really am curious. Like, I, I mean, I saw one defense of it in the sense that um, 
basically this person doesn't like um long games doesn't like extra innings uh-huh i'm trying to re- remember this is so fucked but okay i'm gonna plug these guys metal for brains podcast uh said that they don't they don't like extra inning games and they do like this runner on second rule i will say though i don't know how satisfied i am with the why like it, it's very it's very simple. Like I want to prod a little more about that, and again from other perspectives too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I yeah. I I mean I am the type of baseball fan where I do not comprehend how somebody would be like. Yes, I'm a baseball fan. Also, please give me less baseball. Right. Right. Like, yes, there's a such thing as a good, uh, too much of a good thing, but in the world of baseball, eh, not really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess we, uh, yeah, if, uh, that's, that is, uh, yeah, that's a thing. Um, yep. So... I know we're, like, nearing the end of this recording. Yep. Um, so I wanted to go through my random notes. Absolutely. Because I've been, I've been actually working mostly notelessly, which <laughs> I'm, I'm just impressed with myself for being able to remember anything at all. <laughs> so, yes, but yes, we should go through the, uh, the, the random notes before the... Uh, extra third podcaster comes on at one hour and starts trying to talk us out of it. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, Francisco Lindor. 10-year Mets contract. Um, I am thrilled. Absolutely. Me too. Especially, so, I, I mean, again, I try not to be too hard on the Mets because of this shortened season, and you know, I know they're all rusty and whatever. But Lindor has been just magnificent. Just so great. And I really... I'm not a huge fan of these, like, super long contracts that are being given out, like, more willy-nilly than usual. And I'm, I'm feeling pretty secure about Lindor. Like, if something really out of this world happens to him, then that's one thing, but he seems like a relatively sturdy guy. Yeah. And he's also just really, really awesome. Yeah, yeah. And he's the kind of guy um, where, you know, as a very statistically oriented baseball fan, a lot of the time, I will kind of scoff at, like, a lot of the, the... the intangible stuff uh, that baseball people talk about. But with a guy like Francisco Lindor, I actually 100% buy that, um, you know, having him around, even if he isn't performing that well on the field, which he almost certainly will be because he's a fantastic player, but he's one of those guys who's just kind of good for baseball and good for a team in Mm -hmm. terms of being a a positive clubhouse presence 
um, being a kind of, you know, face of the franchise kind of guy, um, being a, a kind of marketable star in a way that MLB, you know, really could use. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just all around a, a win-win-win for everybody to have uh, Francisco Lindor guaranteed to be in, in New York for uh, 10 years. Yes. And, I mean, I totally agree with you. And, uh, I mean, the Mets have a lot of good, you know, clubhouse presences, which is delightful, even though they suck horribly. <laughs> Um, and not individually, of course, but, but yeah, so it's nice to have somebody brightening our spirits when all is lost, um, (laughs) (laughs) which is a really cynical way to put it, but it's so true too. Yeah. Like we, we can't be mad at Francisco Lindor. We just can't. Yeah. I mean, just look at that guy's smile. I know. It's lovely. Yeah. And I mean, we had Nimmo too, but, you know, he donated to Trump's campaign, so <laughs> welcome. Yep. So hopefully Francisco Lindor doesn't do anything like that. I can't imagine that he would, but still. I, uh, yeah, I have not heard uh, anything uh, in that direction about him. Yes, fingers crossed. <laughs> so... Um, let's see. Some other notes. Shohei Otani. Oh, that was just... That was some... That was some beautiful capital B baseball right there. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And so... The rundown of what happened, basically, is that Shohei Otani pitched beautifully in the first half of the inning... And then just completely destroyed a baseball in the second half. Yeah. Just, I mean, 115 mile per hour exit velocity, I believe it was. Yeah. I don't remember. Throwing 101 off the mound and then hitting 115 off the bat. You know, uh, that is just chef's kiss. Beautiful. Love it. I really hope that this uh, remains a regular feature of this season for Otani. Yes. Because um, that is just, like, I I am always 100% here for seeing a baseball player do something that I've never seen a baseball player do before. Mm-hmm. And Otani is one of the best candidates we've had in a long, long time to regularly do stuff that I've never seen done before. Yes. And, I mean, on an even brighter note, that was the first time I ever saw him play. (laughs) So, you know, I don't get a whole lot of opportunities to see the AL West. Uh, So it was just, it was nice seeing that. And to, like, know that this is what he has to offer, like, I'm here for it. Yeah. So, so yeah, Shohei Otani being awesome. That's cool. Um, one thing that is less news and more opinion is that 
there is a lot of discussion of Garrett Cole versus Jacob deGrom as far as, like, who's the best. Uh-huh. And I really could not give less of a shit. <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, like, people can be good at the same time. People can be amazing at the same time. And they like, can be good and amazing at the same time in the same city. Yeah. It's really, I mean, obviously it's a hard thing to achieve, but it's not hard in that way. Like, there, there is plenty of room for Cole and DeGrom to be awesome. Yeah. As we can see. And, I mean, personally, if I were watching a Subway series and it was Cole versus DeGrom, I would probably bet on DeGrom, but not the Mets, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he might. I, I think he might do a better job than Cole. Probably. Um, I. I. You know, I. I will admit. You know. Um, I think DeGrom has a, a bit of a stronger recent track record. Right. But even like. I mean, they're both so good that it's like it's almost like a like an A versus an A minus. Like mm-hmm. you're gonna get good baseball out of both of them. Yeah, and they're both gonna be fun to watch, and they're gonna throw some baseballs really hard and make a move a lot. Right, and it kills me because like Mets fans should be way more secure than that. Like. There is no reason for Mets fans to be, like, to, like, gloat about this, you know? Like, we all know that DeGrom is great, and we all know that Cole is great, and it's not that, it's not that DeGrom's greatness somehow diminishes Cole's, you know? Not at all. Like, can't we just be happy that we have good baseball? Like, you can hate the Yankees all you want, but Cole is a very good pitcher. Yeah. And that's all there is to it, really. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my two cents. <laughs> um, let's see. So, yeah, DeGrom pitching six innings, and I, I neglected to mention that he got an RBI and still didn't get a win. Yeah. Uh, which is the name of the DeGrom game, basically. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it turns out that he can't do it all himself. Yes. He can certainly try. He, yeah. What does he have, like a .667 batting average so far? I think I mean, for the season, yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he, he, he seems uh, pretty determined to have it not be his fault when things go wrong? Well, I mean, it never is. Yeah. It, it literally never is. <laughs> this is a man who won the Cy Young with a 1.7 ERA and a 10 to 9 win-loss record. Like, that <sighs> is yeah. just... The fact that I remember that stat off the top of my head <laughs> that shows says a you lot. how ridiculous it was. An under two ERA is simply inhuman. It just straight up is. Yeah. In the best possible way. Yes. So, 
yeah, DeGrom being awesome, Cole being awesome, the runner on second rule being terrible. <laughs> these are all just immutable facts. Yep. Um, let's and see. I'm just I'm just honestly excited uh, that we have a real uh, prospect of both New York teams being good at the same time again. You know? Yeah. Like, it's, it's... not guaranteed, but I think that, uh, you know, it's, I think that it's for the best when both New York teams are really good. So I'm, I'm, hoping, uh, I'm hoping that will come through. Yeah, it's just, I think, I think it's just great for morale in general. Yeah. When, when New York baseball is good. And I'm sure that, you know, Mets fans are going to be super salty about it, no matter what the Yankees do, because that's how they are. But it's just, it's fun to see both teams doing well. Yeah. And I I can't be mad. I can't. Unless the Yankees, like, sweep the Mets or something. That would be (laughs) terrible. But, like, still, I don't know. Maybe I'm too soft. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah it's it's just fun and I think both teams have a fair share of likable players as well absolutely that is uh, that is one thing that I think uh, kind of that is like the one area where I will kind of get uh, defensive as a Yankee fan sometimes just that this Yankees team is objectively full of really fun and likable guys. And there are a lot of people who act like it isn't. And it it chaps my ass. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame you. (sighs) Yeah, it's... I don't know... I don't know if I've just been watching a lot of baseball lately, but I feel like teams are just getting more likable and like obviously it's easiest for me to like New York teams but just in general I find myself having a hard time being really pissed at stuff yeah no there's there there are really um there are a lot of really likable players in MLB, and the league is uh, slowly but fairly steadily uh, getting better at making that publicly known. And I will say, though, there's some, perhaps not anti-vaxxers uh, on the Mets. <laughs> yeah, yeah that that has that that's <laughs> been kind of a mess. Oh my God, it's just. It's so tedious. And I have to wonder if somebody, like a higher up in the Mets organization, was like, you are not allowed to express any kind of positive opinion about this vaccine. Like, because it it almost feels like they're, like, stifling themselves. Yeah. And this whole, like, oh, it's a personal choice thing. Like... No shit. Like, nobody's gonna break into your fucking house and shoot you with a syringe. Like, that's not how this works. Yeah. 
it is a personal choice, but it is a choice that affects the public. It affects everyone. It affects the world. Like, we want this vac- er, this virus eradicated. Yeah. And we can't do that unless we have people getting vaccinated. And so hearing, hearing players who... I know that these are, like, young hip guys you know yeah like these are these are athletes these are people in their 20s but like they're also like kind of role modely yeah not, not like super role modely like but still like you're gonna have kids looking at that you're gonna have teenagers like taking it for granted like oh this is a personal choice this is a personal decision to make and they're gonna see it and they're gonna be like well you know Pete Alonzo said this and Pete Alonzo's cool yeah and like that's how their opinions are gonna be formed and it just it bugs the shit out of me yeah like I I, I, the way that I would put that is like it or not these guys have public platforms Right. And they have an obligation. Everybody who has a significant public platform where they get attention paid to them has a basic moral obligation to not use that platform in a way that makes the world worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is true. That is true. And these players being super wishy-washy about it, 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 like it just adds to unnecessary consternation and it's just I don't know, but I will say that having a doctor on as a guest during a Yankees game was a really amazing move yeah, I was really happy to see that um, yeah, it's not at all something I would have expected, but it, it was really great just letting this guy talk about the benefits and how safe the vaccines are and like what happens when people are vaccinated, like just going on and on. It, it was great. And I know, I know that there are lots of people out there who are just like, oh, you know this is baseball, I don't want to hear about COVID. Like, fuck you. <laughs> like, just just go away, <laughs> you know? Like, it, it just... I mean, if you can handle God Bless America, you can handle a guy talking about COVID yeah. for, Amen. like, what, half an inning or something like that? Or was it a whole inning? I don't even know. It was not long, though. It was, it was, a, it was a solid half inning, and... Um... Yeah, it was really heartening, and they uh, they picked a really good guy to do it. Like just on a on a basic uh, TV level, that doctor had a really pleasant voice to listen to. Yes. Um, yes. And he did a really good job communicating it, and I was really uh, it was heartening to see that they were uh, putting that level of emphasis on it. And also like he was very clear about it like very um like he wasn't he he was very adept at putting everything in layman's terms yeah like there was no lack of clarity it was all just laid out there was no ambiguity 
He wasn't using any sort of complicated phrases. He was just putting out the facts as they are in a way that just can't, it couldn't have been misinterpreted by anybody who speaks English, basically. Absolutely. And, I mean, in the SNY booth, I, I mean, as much as we love them, they have spoken about getting vaccinated and they've kind of normalized the idea of getting vaccinated. And they've, I mean, they're pro-vaccine, I can tell. Yeah. But they're not, or at least SNY, I don't know how much of an influence the booth specifically has, but SNY hasn't really gone out of its way to be like, hey, so this vaccine is important, this vaccine is safe, this vaccine is good, you know? So, so yeah. Yep. Good for New York. (laughs) Amen. Yes. So, do you have any notes? Uh, no, we, we, uh, we got to everything that I had on my, I had on my mind. Good. Yeah. So we're on the same page then. Pretty much, yeah. Nice. So uh, this has been uh, Flipping Bats and Winning Games. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us uh, on Twitter at FBWG Podcast. Uh, you can email us at FBWGPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love getting questions. We love, uh, you know, hearing people's thoughts. And uh, we will talk to you again soon. See you later, everybody. Take care, everybody.